0: Less than 24 hours, Georgians will be under a shelter-in-place order. McDonald, though, said he did not know the man was handcuffed and was trying to use his foot to pin him to the ground so he could be handcuffed. If your friends, neighbors, or local organizations are not complying, report them to us. Howdy, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Free Georgia Podcast. My name is Jake Green, and today I'm joining you from Montana, as you can see, if you're watching. By the cabin behind me, it's uh, our friend's cabin. We don't have a structure built on our property up here yet, but they're nice enough to let us stay in their cabin while we're up here doing work on our land. A um, little bit of housekeeping—we we'll get that out of the way now. If you find this podcast or this specific episode educational, informative, uh, entertaining, please subscribe, please like, follow comment all of the above rate it please rate it on apple Podcasts because any type of engagement like that really helps put us more into the algorithm and helps get us seen by more people and we really enjoy and want to spread the message of liberty as far and wide as possible Um, it's educational month here it's education month here at lp georgia and this one my guest today represents a case. He's a lawyer, represents a case um, that is education adjacent. Um, It's more parents related. Um, He comes from the organization called Parents USA. um, And he's going to talk to us about a case as well as a few other things um, along the way. So let's do it. Today, we've got David Delugas joining us from Parents USA. And David, great to have you here. Thanks for joining us.
1: Hey, thanks for inviting me.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I got word of your case through a few people in um, in the Libertarian Party, and I don't think enough people know about what the specific case that's happening uh, that you're representing as well as a bunch of other things that happen within Georgia that uh, are legally allowed to happen or do happen that are illegal. Um, So could you just give us a brief rundown of of the specific case that we're we're talking about today?
1: Well, uh, apparently you're referring to the state versus Melissa Henderson. Uh, Melissa is a mother who lives in Blairsville, Georgia. She's divorced, has five children, three by her first um, former husband and two younger ones by her second former husband, a more recent divorce uh, as of at least May of 2020. Uh, That case uh, received some national attention, as it should, uh, and in Georgia we should be particularly wary of law enforcement uh, and magistrate judges who sign arrest warrants based solely on the application of somebody in law enforcement. But to run down the facts, because your viewers may not uh, know them, Mm -hmm. is in May of 2020 during the pandemic, which incidentally is irrelevant to what happened. But it adds a little bit of flavor of, oh, my gosh, during the pandemic, we need to give a little more latitude. The answer is no. The same latitude to the parents discretion to decide what's appropriate and safe for their family should be given to parents 24-7 every day of the week. all year year long. Why? Our U.S. Supreme Court has held constantly, consistently, over and over again, that it is the right of parents to make decisions affecting their children, so long as they don't harm their children, the court's defining that as physical harm or long-term emotional harm. Mm -hmm. So, and clearly, we don't mean a skin knee because a child fell off a bicycle. (laughs) Right. <laughs> no, I'm not making fun of anybody riding or stopping on a bicycle. I'm merely pointing out that kids occasionally get a skinned knee or get a scratch. That's fine. Parents have the latitude by law, have the constitutional right to make those decisions. And for those who, who are not aware of Parents USA, we're a 501c3. Uh, we do rely upon donations and support of the public. We work nationally. We're currently in a case in Idaho, We've been in Wisconsin, Supreme Court of Georgia, U.S. Supreme Court a few times, uh, often as an amicus curiae. People know that as friends of the court. So let's go back to Blairsville, Georgia, May 2020. Mm That pandemic, schools are shut down. Melissa's at home. Her work is not operating full time. And her five kids are home with her, the older ones doing online schooling. She gets a call from work and asking her to come in, which she's prepared to do, and turns to her almost 15-year-old, at the time, 14-year-old daughter, and says, all right, you're in charge, along with the other preteens uh, of the younger two children, four and five, a boy and a girl. And mom, Melissa, takes off for work for a few hours. Uh, during that time, the four-year-old, wanting to play, goes to his next-door neighbor where uh, there's a buddy of his, a similar aged child. And uh, which means he slipped out, and the 14-year-old and the other preteens did not notice him leaving. Uh, The mother next door, instead of escorting him back or calling over and saying, hey, anybody missing a kid, calls the sheriff's office of Union County, who promptly sends a patrol car out, and the patrolman ends up learning, or the deputy learns from the teen uh, daughter, Mom went to work. They call mom. She returns home. All is good and well, and the deputy leaves. A week later, she gets a phone call from a deputy who says, I have an, I have a warrant to arrest you for reckless conduct for what happened last week. She happens to know about Parents USA and gives us a call. Uh, I end up taking the call, and after getting wind of what the warrant says, I do some research. And for those who are not real familiar with legal research and the law, often lawyers are making arguments based on interpretation of a case and its applicability to a different set of facts. Hmm. In this situation, I, I miraculous to me, I find a 1997 Georgia Supreme Court case in which a mother goes out for the evening, has her 12-year-old son look after his five-year-old half-brother, and something happens not revealed in any of the court documents, and the five-year-old dies. The district attorney in Columbus, Georgia, charges that mother under Georgia's reckless conduct statute. The same statute they're applying here in Blairsville, Georgia, in 2020. Jeez. The Georgia Supreme Court holds that parents in Georgia don't get fair warning that they could be charged with reckless conduct because the statute is very, very vague, ambiguous. So the court holds it is unconstitutional as applied to this fact situation. It goes on when I say it, I mean the George Supreme court goes on to write. Moreover, we don't want to allow law enforcement this much discretion. Mm-hmm. to decide What's reckless conduct in order to detain, arrest and charge any of our citizens, any of our residents of the state with reckless conduct on the subjective belief by someone in law enforcement. Oh, this is reckless and therefore it's unconstitutional. Now, I read that and think, my goodness, how is she being charged with reckless conduct in May of 2020 comparing to this uh, compared to this 1997 case? (laughs) Download the case into a PDF. I email it to the magistrate court judge who signed the arrest warrant to the district attorney's office and to the sheriff's office. And I actually talk on the phone with the deputy who is now at Melissa's house outside her front door prepared to arrest her and take her into custody. And he tells me he's talked to the district attorney's office. They're going to arrest her anyway. I mean, my, my plea was take a breath, take a minute. Nothing is compelling you to arrest her right here and now, but right. they do. They arrest her. They book her, fingerprint, handcuff her, um, and put her in a uh, patrol car. Now, her children were out of line of sight, but they had, from her report, Five different cars and five different deputies out there, including a female. But they took her around the side of the house before putting her into handcuffs, put her in the back of a patrol car, took her into the uh, the jail, fingerprint, mugshot, inventoried her clothing. You can read about what color her undergarments were. I mean, it's a humiliating, horrible situation. No one should get arrested unless they actually deserve to be arrested. But mm. here we are. So that's May of 2020. She ha- call, has her ex-husband, who lives up in that area, uh, bond her out. Mm-hmm. And these criminal charges are pending in the district attorney's office, COVID, other cases. April of 2021, they issue the accusation. And quick legal lesson, uh, in Georgia, an indictment is used for felonies, an accusation is used for misdemeanors, and this is a misdemeanor. But that means up to a year in jail and up to a $1,000 fine for this violation of reckless conduct, right? So in May of 2021, I file a motion to quash the accusation, and I cite the 1997 Georgia Supreme Court case. Uh, It's called Hall versus State. And we have oral arguments July 1. Now, by the way, meanwhile, the district attorney's office is plus. They don't care. They seemingly don't care because they don't go, oh, our bad. Let's not charge her. We shouldn't have brought, we shouldn't have had the arrest warrant issued. We shouldn't have arrested her, and we shouldn't have issued the accusation. Do they do any of that? No. My belief is this is not just of Union County, but across the country. They don't have to. What's their penalty? What's the consequence when district attorneys and law enforcement don't follow the law? Nothing. They don't get charged criminally, and they, don't, they can't be sued, successfully sued, because yeah. of qualified immunity. In general, they can't. That said, I go to court and for two and a half hours argue in front of a Superior Court judge in Union County about why the accusation should be quashed, you know, the case thrown out. He asks me to put in writing everything I've just said, mind you, I filed a written motion and a brief in May of 2021, but July 1, we have the arguments. So I follow up with an amended supplemental brief in support of our motion to quash and file that in August of 2021. The district attorney's office files a brief in opposition. I believe it's just, you know, horse manure. It's nothing in it is compelling all things considered, uh, in the case law and the statute. And I filed a supplement, a reply to their brief in October of 2021. And in January of 2022, about eight months ago, I filed a supplemental brief in which I somewhat made this argument because the district attorney's office is saying, hey, this happened before when the kids were out by the, the street playing and we told her not to do this. So I believe there's a little bit of what I, I would call retaliation. I'm in mm-hmm. law enforcement. I came out a, in July of 2019 because there was a report your children were out near or in the street playing. Mm-hmm. So I came out here and told you, oh, oh, don't let don't leave them in the care of their teenage sister. Uh, you shouldn't do that. And then you did it and I'm mad. so the reason <laughs> you're being charged is because it happened before. So my supplemental brief, this, this hopefully will help uh, those watching really get the gist of this. That's like saying if you ever let your child ride their bicycle and they fell and skinned their knee, you should never let them ride their bicycle again. <laughs> if, if you have been in a car wreck, an accident, a fender bender, uh, you better not do it again because you, you should quit driving because you know it happened before. So, The logic of the district attorney's office befuddles me, and I'm not sure why the superior court judge hasn't yet ruled on it, but he hasn't. Now,
0: that part of it's bizarre to me. Like, why is it taking so long for this to get resolved, especially since it's so clearly against the law? Like, I, I don't understand why it's taking
1: this long to get figured out. Don't know either. Uh, it, it would be speculation, and we don't need any more speculation in our, <laughs> in our media and our society. Uh, and so, so, let me add this tidbit, because I think it's interesting, especially for those in Georgia. Yeah. A few years back, a lawyer, prominent lawyer in Georgia, Tex McIver, in the backseat of a vehicle where his wife was in the front seat, um, he claims accidentally shot her, killed her, and he was charged with murder and convicted. And a few months ago, the Georgia Supreme Court reversed his conviction, gave him uh, ordered a new trial, and had instructions for the trial court about which of the various criminal charges the district attorney's office could use and the jury instructions. And interesting to me, and I'm about to go into a supplemental brief for Melissa Henderson in this case in Union County, the Georgia Supreme Court discuss the reckless conduct statute as applied to the killing of his Tex McIver's wife. So we have on the one hand, a kid who goes next door to play with his buddy, uh, and the mom had left the teenager in charge. She's being charged with reckless conduct. And the George Supreme Court discussing the actual killing of somebody under reckless conduct, because I think Maybe because, by the way, the statute itself wasn't declared unconstitutional. It was declared unconstitutional as applied to the situation involving the mother in Columbus, Georgia. So gotcha. the statute still exists. It's very vague, ambiguous. It allows for just about anything. But it's pretty safe to say that if you kill somebody, you might have done something a little bit reckless. A hmm. little bit. A <laughs> little bit. I think that's pretty safe to say. That's <laughs> so
0: interesting. Yeah. Just just a random question, like out of like of all the laws that you know of in Georgia, how many are extremely ambiguous or up for major interpretation?
1: Uh, boy, I'd love to be able to answer that question, but I, I think I'd be a fool if I even attempted to answer that. I, I will tell you it would be a wonderful thing to do mm. if yes. the governor uh, or the the legislature would systematically over time or even ask one, one or more. Here's an interesting idea. Let's get all of the metric, all of the law schools in the state of Georgia to compete with one another, (laughs) go through our criminal statutes and identify those that the law students with their faculty advisors bring to the attention of the legislature and say, we think this statute has either ambiguities to it, or is no longer relevant, or is um, constitutionally infirm and should be uh, repealed or rewritten. Mm-hmm. That would be. It wouldn't cost taxpayers anything for these law students to do it. They could get mm-hmm. credit. Um, I want credit for the idea. But the <laughs> legislature should get a a volume volumes of bound um, you know, notebooks from all the law schools in Georgia, and let's see who I, and and then go back to them and say, hey, well, this other law school thought about this. What are you thinking? Let's get them to really flush it out and bring it to the legislature and the governor who then can go through these laws and say, in the next session, we need to fix a law, repeal a law, or reaffirm the law based on, again, the Constitution of the U.S. and the Georgia Constitution.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So I don't know the answer, but I, I I will say this. It, it doesn't really matter because law enforcement, when they detain somebody and then they bring a charge, um, not a case I had anything to do with, but I, I did. This is what lawyers do sometimes for recreational or work reading. There yeah. was a case in Atlanta where the city, poli- uh, city of Atlanta police stopped two men, one a transgender, I'm sorry, one a transgender woman, Uh, the other, her friend, for jaywalking, claiming they were not within the crosswalk. There's a dispute factually whether they were or they weren't, but as a result of detaining them, asked permission to search the handbag. There was a um, a stress ball, the kind you squeeze. Mm -hmm. The police officer believed and claimed, oh, this must contain your drugs and asked permission, which the detainee gave to inspect it. So he pierced it with a knife, did a field test and said, ah, this is cocaine and arrested them. They had $25,000 bond set. They were in jail for months, even after the um, uh, GBI came back with the actual lab test and said, no, it's just sand. Um, And they did not release them immediately. And, and the reason it came to the, my attention was those police officers were sued in U.S. District Court, federal court for violation of the civil rights of, of the individuals at a $1.5 million judgment. And guess what? City of Atlanta is not paying it because, hey, they don't have to. So it's up to the individual officer to either pay it, Go uh, probably can't bankrupt out of it. But that said, again, it's, it's a terrible system we have that allows those with who are given power from the people through our representatives can violate our rights and get away with it.
0: Goodness gracious. That's horrifying. And for jaywalking, do you know how many times I've jaywalked in my life? <laughs> alleged
1: alleged, jaywalking. Mind alleged you, jaywalking. According to those who were, those two who were detained and arrested, they weren't jaywalking. Right. They were on the sidewalk, not in the gutter as the police claimed they were. And again, I uh, we get a lot of requests for, for assistance, legal assistance. And one of the places where we stop is because we screen all the case requests we get is when there are factual disputes, we have to go with, well, that's a factual dispute that a judge or a jury will have to resolve. And we don't know what the truth is. So if they're claiming you were doing drugs in the presence of your children and the drug test came back positive and you say those drug tests were, A flawed or they were negative and they're, they're lying about it. That's not a case where legally we have much we can work with Mm. as an example. So that also is frightening because some of the cases we've handled. And if, if your viewers again, want to help us grow our capacity to help more, we represented a mom who was on vacation in Rehoboth beach, Delaware. I saw her mugshot in the digital edition of USA today and thought, Hmm. Based on the headline, mom leaves kids home, gets arrested, charged with child endangerment. I got in touch with the Rehoboth Beach Police Department, got a PDF of the arrest report. And what I learned was she was there on vacation with her eight and nine-year-old son and daughter. She went to a local restaurant to get food to go. Her nine-year-old walked the dog. The dog got away from him off the, on the leash. He let go of the leash. A stranger helped him get the dog back, inquired about where his mom was or dad was. Next thing you know, 911's called, police show up, and they arrest her when she gets back and charge her with, they, they waited till the next day when they ha- she had other family showing up, but the next day they came and arrested her, charged her with child endangerment under Delaware law. So I assumed everything in the police report to be true, looked at the, the statute of child endangerment in Delaware got in touch with uh, a business on the the boardwalk and said, hey, do you rent bikes to parents so they can let their kids go ride them off by themselves? The answer was, sure, we do it all the time. So in other words, a kid can be alone in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, and the parents not get arrested, but not if the mom went to get food to go from a restaurant. So we ended up agreeing to represent her for a pro bono. We don't charge our our, uh, clients these wrongfully arrested parents. And here's, here's how it went there, unlike what happened in Union County. Two days after we filed the paperwork saying we represent this mom, they dismissed the case. <laughs> yeah, so it's really about the, the government being bullies. Unfortunately, uh, especially viewers who are um, interested in freedom and liberty under mm-hmm. our constitutions, um, again, Georgia and U.S. Uh, government needs some pushback, some res- lawful resistance pushback. And I know there we go. <laughs> currently, we're in, in a very volatile climate. I would just tell you what we need to do is arm ourselves with voting, make sure 100% of people vote. And secondly, we need to call out all of those who purport to represent us and don't respect and honor our freedom. So, frankly, yes. Um, all the parties, libertarians are pretty way better than most. I'm I'm not advocating for one over another. I just ask everybody, pay attention, not just to what people say, but what they do, because I'm starting to believe that the GOP and the Democratic parties um, high five each other like two lawyers at the end of a trial, plaintiff and defendant in a civil case, for example, or divorce case, or even in criminal cases, because, hey, if law enforcement didn't wrongfully charge people who were innocent uh, and really hadn't committed a crime, then what are the defense lawyers gonna do? Go out of business? You, you follow me? It's, it's like the GOP and the Democratic Party paint each other as the enemy mm-hmm. and support, raise money, stay in power, exchange power. It's tag team. It's our turn to be in power. You did hor- a horrible job. And then the other team goes on the field. Meanwhile, everybody that cares about liberty and freedom go, no. Yes, a little little bit away. So the point of all of that, right? The point of all that is, it takes each of us to either start spending our time, energy, and money to push back against the infringements of our freedoms in again a civil, nonviolent manner, Mm -hmm. or we need to enlist the assistance of organizations that do so. At one time, I used to believe the ACLU was a a fighter for freedom i don't think i believe that anymore the institute for justice i very much believe is is fighting for freedoms they just don't get into some of the arenas uh they don't get at all into arenas involving parents Hmm. and you know the whole concept of parents rights and school choice which is a terrible phrasing uh, we prefer parents choice parents options educational options are all better phrasing of what the real issue is. Um, but even those are not necessarily within the rights of parents and it's being misconstrued. I'd be happy to jump into that if, if you want. It's a hot topic right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is it's educational month here at uh, LP Georgia. So I've had on uh, last last episode I had on Ryan Graham, who's uh talking all about educational freedom and that's his like primary plank as he runs for Lieutenant governor. Um, and next week I'm having on, um, Elizabeth Melton to talk about unschooling, which is, uh, not homeschooling, but it just a different kind of schooling. And we'll, we'll get into that I, next week. I'm,
1: I'm quite familiar with it. Incidentally, uh, parents USA has represented parents in Screven County, Georgia, and up in, um, uh, Jasper, uh, uh Georgia, who are arrested and charged under the state's criminal compulsory education law. (laughs) By the way, it's not a compulsory education law. It's a compulsory attendance Attendance. law because they don't, it doesn't depend on the level of uh, objective level of academic success of the student, only whether or not the student was at school under what they call an excused absence versus unexcused and Mm -hmm. we've represented them and i can yet find a parent who won't plead out because and i don't blame them when you're being offered a hundred dollar fine and this whole thing goes away it's pretty hard to say hey i'll let myself be convicted so parents usa can appeal this and challenge (laughs) the constitutionality of the statute which was last challenged, i believe was 2013 and unfortunately the um legal counsel who challenged its constitutionality, I believe failed to make the proper um, legal argument and therefore the Georgia Supreme court, which appellate courts are not going to make the arguments for you. Um, they just don't do that. If you don't make the argument, just go with it and say, okay, you didn't make the argument. We're going to uphold the statute. Uh, but yeah, the un- idea of unschooling or the idea of homeschooling or the idea of pods um I encourage you to get in touch with, uh, well, we can talk off, off camera, but uh, mm-hmm. Fee, who's based, which is based in uh, Georgia now, Atlanta, um, they have fellows. Uh, Kerry McDonald is the education guru. Uh, there's a professor at Clemson who, believe it or not, is on the side of there should be no government schools. The separation wow. of state. He, he doesn't he, he thinks that should be our ultimate goal and therefore this is an interesting argument I was unconvinced but I listened to a podcast with <laughs> Harry McDonald and this function pro- professor and now I'm convinced he's right S- uh, parents choice aka uh, formerly known as school choice mm-hmm. is actually a it does a disservice because it fools us into thinking government should still be involved in education at all. <laughs> Uh, And the point is, we don't have government-run churches. We shouldn't have government-run schools. Yep. Communities should get together and decide what they're going to do. Hey, I need help because I want to work. I need somewhere to send my kid. What are we going to do? And a private industry forms a school that has only the the, uh, criteria or uh, all the things that maybe government would say you should have Consumers can decide, do we want attendance? Do we want our teachers to be certified? As probably most most viewers know, there are these very standards regarding uh, teachers. I, I went to Duke University undergrad. By the way, my parents were, were relatively poor. Neither of them went to college. I, I didn't come with a silver spoon. Scholarships, loans, and working. But I went to college. I went to law school. I've been practicing law a long time. And guess what I cannot do in the state of Georgia? I can't go teach. I couldn't teach a business law class at a high school because I'm not what? a certified teacher. What, what What is the certification process like for that? You need those education hours because if you, you literally need education hours, you need to pass tests, you need to be certified to teach. One of the reasons we have a teacher shortage and the reason teachers unions and those who are in favor of government schools talk about, oh, there's a teacher shortage. We need to pay them more. No, what you need to do is remove all these restrictions from allowing people who are otherwise qualified to teach. I, I, I'm not patting myself on the back, but those of you who are listening, imagine me in front of a classroom full of kids. Could I somehow get across to them what it is I'm trying to teach, ask them questions, use the Socratic method, ask somebody to read, ask somebody to say, what does that mean? Ask another student, do you agree with Mr. Smith over here? I mean, look, Robin Williams. <laughs> yeah, what was the movie where he was the school teacher at the boarding school?
0: That, oh, yeah, um, that Carpe up. Diem. Yeah, uh, what was the name of that movie? That was a great right. one.
1: Who's the first one of the ones listening who's going to type it in? <laughs> obviously, this is being taped. But my point is, if we have a shortage of school teachers, and start asking some of the people who you have as guests addressing education. Mm -hmm. If we have a shortage of school teachers, why? Oh, teachers don't like all of the regulations that they have to follow, the forms they have to fill out. Ooh, they don't like the parents pushing back. Guess what? Parents are the consumers. Parents are the consumers. You don't see dentists' office. Dentists compete with each other. Medical practices compete with each other. Uh, Pediatric practice. Say, I'm a parent. My child goes to the doctor, the dentist, the orthodontist, uh, plays sports at the – if I don't like the coach or the league – He's not playing there. He's playing at a different place. Competition causes people to either do better or go out of business. Schools, teachers, same thing. So, if we have a teacher shortage, part of the problem is we're not allowing people who otherwise would be wonderful teachers, especially, let's say, the retiree between 40 and 70 who finished their first career and they're some, something in healthcare or they're an engineer could not come in and teach a class to middle schoolers on math? Of course they could. But we're not allowing it because we want to restrict the market to just those who have the right, quote, qualifications, because that increases either their pay, supply and demand, all those economic principles come into play. So at the same time, we want government to um, stop having the various kinds of qualification restrictions to trades. Uh, we should look at school teachers and say, yes, we want qualified teachers, but qualified doesn't necessarily mean they have an education degree or after serving 20 years in a particular industry, they went back and took 12 hours of education so they can learn how to teach. Maybe they just have that gift, um, they have that ability, and let the principals and the school boards, or again, if it's private school, charter school, they should be able to hire whomever they want. Um, And that's one of the issues and problems we have as a society is we think others should have the right to dictate what the qualifications of those who are going to perform some service. Um, I'm an attorney. I happen not to think that we don't need a bar exam and we don't need a state bar to uh, tell us we're licensed. And and Mm. the short, short version of why is this. The bar exam does not uh, screen out the bad lawyers, <laughs> either intellect, uh, knowledge, ability, or ethics. Doesn't. Because mm-hmm. there, there are lawyers who are not very good at their trade who make a living because the layperson doesn't know what a good lawyer compared to a bad lawyer is. Um, mm-hmm. Same thing is in most every trade, the consumer is not really protected. It's really a matter of, protectionism of the existing lawyers or existing doctors or anything else. And again, our government insults us every day by telling us we know better than you how to regulate this particular industry, whatever industry that is. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I was talking with, uh, I had Martin Cowan on the podcast, who's running for attorney general. And he was talking about how, like if a hospital wants a, Uh, like if a donor wants to give a hospital like a new MRI machine or something like that in the state of Georgia, they have to get a certificate of need from the government in order to buy that machine, even if the donor's paying for the whole daggum thing like that. I mean, that's just BS. That's horrible. Uh, It makes no sense.
1: Uh, We've over empowered our government, and that's why it's going to take legislators who don't vote party line legislators and governors by the way Mm -hmm. who aren't just part of the establishment uh i i think there's been a rise in populism but it isn't enough because again we all get skittish self-included we go to the polling booth and we think uh boy i'd have to vote for the lesser of two evils rather than the one i believe is going to be the most capable of getting the job done yeah And, and that may be where what we need is um more people like uh, Senator Paul from Kentucky, who I would say most people recognize as, as being as close to a libertarian um, in, in policy and in philosophy, uh, although he carries the GOP brand, mm-hmm. but he's able to get, he's able to get elected and reelected and at least be a part barrier. And then it's, it's a matter of getting again, more and more qualified people, Uh, to recognize the infringements on our our liberty and to fight against them. In other words, some of the things you and I are discussing here should be obvious to everybody. Why have we given so much power to the government without any controls over them? And what government does is keep adding more power and more funding. Um, You know, in private business, obviously, if something's not working, Eventually the board of directors or the owners of the company, otherwise a small business says, this is unsustainable. Throwing more money at it isn't going to make it better. Every startup that has come out of Silicon Valley or Atlanta tech village in Atlanta, uh, at some point they run out of money because funding sources really scrutinize the business plan, execution of the plan, the, the entrepreneurial leaders and say, yeah, this isn't working. Your market hasn't developed. The mm. product doesn't work or the leadership isn't, isn't uh, sufficient to uh, make this successful. So we're not going to pump more money into it. Right. But we don't do that with government. We just keep no. battling no. over who's going to be in control. Yeah. And we uh, give it more money. And then, <laughs> then they, they, they turn around and go, well, we have all the solutions. Uh, we just need more money. yep (laughs) that's exactly right
0: um let's talk about parents usa for a bit um because i think it's a from what you've been describing it as i think it's a good organization for more people to know what it's about um like how do you how do you get your cases usually um yeah and what does it take to be represented by y'all
1: um well the backdrop is this Uh, as an attorney i notice more and more how government through judges, law enforcement, as we've discussed, uh, continue to want to micromanage and tell parents what to do and what they can't do. Mm. And unlike most every, and I did a lot of research. I looked at all of the nonprofits across the country, having anything to do with children and parents and tried to identify the ones that weren't there with an agenda, weren't there to suggest to their membership or to the public here's what you should be doing for your child. The example, let's, let's call parents' choice again, school choice for those who are not yet initiated into the correct lingo. if We're not in favor of public schools, charter schools, private schools, unschooling, homeschooling, or um, uh, communities of homeschoolers. We don't favor one over another. Why? We're not here to try to suggest to parents what's better for their child. We're here to protect their right to look at as many options as possible and decide what's right for their children, including unschooling on the theory that, well, again, let's, let's say you're, you're in agriculture or you're you have a machine shop or a body shop, HVAC or a lawyer, you should be able to have your 10 year old who you've taught to read stay in the office, work as an apprentice, and over the next five or six years become probably far more skilled and capable than anybody who's going to any of those types of schooling. That should be the parent's right, but we have to push back against government saying, no, 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 no. In order to have an educated population in our state, we're going to compel your attendance at a school. It's about the money. So going back to all of the organizations we found, other than the Institute for Justice, And then we approached them and said, Hey, how about expand the scope of your mission to include more of the things that parents find are intruding upon their constitutional rights? And the Institute of Justice, for justice, that again with great respect for what they do, said, No, we're we're good with our mission. And there's an expression called mission creep. So I decided we needed to start an organization for moms and dads, all moms and dads across the country to know that we're here protecting their right to be adequate parents. Think about that word. You're an adequate parent. Well, what's wrong with that? You're a fit parent. Okay. You're a great parent. Well, that's good. Well, you're not a great parent, but until you become a deficient parent, government should leave you alone. Mm-hmm. Oh, but but the children. Yes, yes, yes. Let's use our finite government resources and the power of government to look after children who are actually being abused, who are actually being hurt because there are enough of those around that's where we need to put our resources. Mm. I mean, I'm not here to talk politics, but 87,000 IRS agents, how about 10,000 who are doing child abuse prevention and finding the parents who are abusing their children, another 20,000 for school security? You know, we could we could spread that out into the areas where we, the people, believe there's a greater need, but that's not for us to say. Let's go back to Parents USA. So I started this and said, There needs to be an organization that isn't here to tell parents what they can and cannot do, but Mm -hmm. to act as the pushback against the unconstitutional infringement on their rights. Get the question all the time. Well, what about vaccines? We believe the Constitution allows you as the parent to make medical decisions for your children. And that includes vaccines. That includes abortion, which in Georgia, by the way, a 16 year old can get an abortion without their parents, even knowing they were pregnant or had the procedure. It's unthinkable to me that 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 law is still on the books, but all the other laws are there. And by the way, abortion, a facelift, any kind of surgery that is not medically necessary, even if it's medically necessary, the parents should be notified and have to give consent. But that's not the case. Again, government keeps saying, we know better than you and we need to have these laws. Mm -hmm. So we don't exist to tell parents what to do. We exist to say, it's your right. So, but by the way, there are consequences to the choices you make. We always talk about it, but do people really understand what that means? If you don't like what's being taught at your school, you have the right as a parent to go talk to the school board. You should be allowed to do that. Uh, there's a lawsuit right now. Mama Bears of Forsyth County are suing Forsyth County School Board because they weren't allowed sufficiently to express their views, and again, in a civil manner. That said, we're not involved in that lawsuit, although we offered to assist um, the organization that is representing them. Uh, it's the First Amendment Rights Group out of D.C. Yeah. That said, um, we're here to say you have the right to make these choices. There are consequences. So if you don't like what the school's doing, and they won't come around to what you want—books that are you think should not be in the library, or vaccinations required, or your child can't come here. The consequence is you get the right to make, you have the right to make the choice. So you can take your children out of that school and take them to a different school or homeschool them and do other things. You don't have the right to make the school do what you want just because you enrolled your child there. No more so than you belong to a homeowners association. There are covenants in the deed that you signed that got you that real estate, or you joined a golf club or you joined a, uh, your fantasy football league has rules. You can't unilaterally say, I have the right because I'm here. I don't like this. I want this to change. You can say it, but that isn't a right to make others capitulate and bend to your will. You have the right to say, I no longer want to be a member of this club. I don't want to live in this neighborhood if they're not going to allow me to do this, this, or this to my own property. Then you sell it and you move to somewhere that doesn't have a HOA. Mm-hmm. Uh, or You don't join a school or enroll your children in school and say, but we don't want to have to follow your rules. Again, that's why you have the choice to go to a different place. So we're not here um, to suggest parents get to do what they want. Keep in mind, there are parents on the other side. Parents may say, oh, I don't want CRT taught at all. Other parents will say, no, I do want CRT to be taught. It's not for us as an organization to tell you what should or shouldn't be taught. It's Mm -hmm. up to us to help ensure that you have the right to enroll your child in a particular school or not to take them to a different school. So there's a difference. so how do we operate? We either um, we have a on our website, parentsusa.org. Uh, there are a number of different links on there that say request help uh, or some and there's a form to fill out. We get an email, we we screen it. We often, most often, say to parents and re- first response is, okay, that's your version of what's going on. You used a lot of pronouns, you drew a lot of conclusions, you use these catchphrases like violated my constitutional rights. How about tell us what the facts are by showing us the documents of what is being claimed, what is being alleged, or what the situation is. Uh, Most often disputes between parents, say divorce or custody doesn't involve constitutional rights being violated, even though it will feel that way because both parents have rights uh, and the children and the government has a right to say, well, as between the two parents, what are we going to do? Be the tiebreaker. Uh, we we are supported solely by donations um, and, and what we call a membership of $29 or donations that we've received from as little as $5 up to a very larger amount. Um, we need more of those. We haven't hit the tipping point of being completely self-sufficient, but we don't charge parents. We don't ask them for financial affidavit. We do say, hey, if you can afford it, we would be great if you would help us uh, do our work. But we don't require that because that, that would uh, turn us into a business. We're not here to be a business. We're here to do what we believe is right under the Constitution and to support parents. Now, when we get a lot of requests for help, of course, we try to filter through those and identify the ones where even with the facts not in dispute it's clear that there's a violation of the constitutional rights of parents. Case Melissa Henderson in, in Blairsville, no question about it. Even accepting everything the police are alleging is true. She has not violated a law and her arrest, um, and continued prosecution is, uh, is not constitutionally, um, valid and, and we're in arms about it. A case in Idaho involves grandparent, uh, they're, they aren't rights, but grandparents being allowed over the objection of the mom and dad of their daughters to have visitation by court order. Court should not intervene. Um, again, the constitutional measure is unless it's to protect children from actual harm, physical harm, mm. long-term emotional harm. Let's look at it this way. You as parents have the right to say, I don't want my children hanging out at the crack house. And being around those people, or I don't want my children to be around my neighbor who I think is a little sketchy. Parents also should have the right to say, I don't want my children to be around my parents because they're toxic. And uh, this is a fairly common scenario. And unfortunately, government has passed various laws that say, oh, but for the children. uh, Again, the, the common expression among those in government. believe somehow they know better and and here's what we've really been saying about again school choice really should be known as parents choice whether or not parents make the best decision for their children it's their decision to make and Mm -hmm. as long as it's not a decision that's harmful to them everybody else should just stay out of it Mm -hmm. and that means those in education or in any other field who say, but we know better. Some parents are just inadequate and they're not doing what's best for their kids. They're not required by the constitution to do what's best. They're required to do what's adequate, meaning keeping them from being harmed. Oh, but children need to be protected. You're right. And the constitution, Supreme court says so protected from actual harm, physical, long-term emotional harm. So all of the, protests by those in government that say, we know better than the parents. Okay, maybe you do, but you don't mm-hmm. have the right to impose your superior knowledge and skills on parents and their children. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's the best way I think I can describe it. And it's a, I will tell you, even as a law school, decades of practicing law, it took me a while to really internalize this concept that to me, is sacred. You're a parent. Your job is to raise your child as you see fit. And as long as you're not causing them harm, U.S. Supreme Court says that nobody else should do it but you. seems like y'all align with a lot of libertarian principles. (laughs) We often like to say we're with the lowercase l only because we're nonpartisan. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're secular because again, it's not our job to push on parents uh, what we think they should do. Right. You know, we, we say we, we hope they do the best they can and that their children thrive. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, any of the discussions about which form of schooling is better, no child and children are unique. There's, there's an article. Uh, uh, I highly commend the organization fee. Um, um Foundation for Economic um, Economic Freedom. Uh, shoot, I can't remember the acronym, but every one of your listeners probably knows of Fee F E E, and uh, their president Hannah Cox, who's often on the news, is a part of Fee's organization. Uh, but there was recently an article written, um, and, and it was about schooling, and it, it asked these questions: the basic questions. When did we decide that a child, a child sitting in for 50 minutes at a time or 55 minutes at a time for six or seven hours, Monday through Friday, somehow that's the education model we want to follow. (laughs) Shouldn't we at least revisit it occasionally and say, is it working? Is that the most efficient way, most effective way? Um, Is that the most economical way? Mm -hmm. And why are we putting everybody in the same grade based on their age? Why don't we say maybe there's another methodology to do this? At least explore it. So what we would like to encourage parents to do is do what you think is best for your child. If you get pushback and somebody telling you you can't do that, send us an email, help at parentsusa.org. Feel free to visit the website, make a donation there or elsewhere. Uh, But that said, and by the way, Melissa Henderson, we have a GoFundMe for that particular case. Uh, it's Yes, it's been a lot of work, uh, legal work done, uh, and we somewhat anticipate an appeal is forthcoming. Yeah. But the idea is not every, and we respond to every email, and sometimes unfortunately explain to parents that your situation is not one that involves constitutional rights. I had a mom, um, I think it was in Pennsylvania recently last week, come in and, and say, here are court documents. I took this custody dispute with my former husband, the father of the children, and the day before my hearing, because the judge didn't grant a continuance, I removed it to federal court, and he had the hearing anyway. Arguably, removal to federal court would mean the trial court, state court judge should not have had a hearing, but I said even if you prevail on that, that doesn't change the outcome. So Mm -hmm. we're going to put our resources to a different issue, and oh, by the way, this is an issue between you and the other parent, and we're not here to decide which parent's better. The judge is given that power, and and we don't think constitutionally that's a violation. So parents get in touch with us often and, and again, put everything in the category of it's a violation of my rights as a parent, maybe. Maybe, um, yeah. Maybe.
0: Um, what's the best way for someone who isn't seeking your
1: help to help y'all? Uh, financial resources are good. Uh, you know, without costing you a penny, if people would go to smile.amazon.com mm-hmm. and if you're not familiar with it, do it for some charity. We hope you do it for parents USA, which by the way, it's national association of parents Inc is the 501 C three. We do business as Parent USA. It's our URL and it actually flows a lot easier than, national association of that? parents but if you go to smile.amazon.com you can read you can just on your account you can then identify a nonprofit and we are one that Amazon has vetted and says yeah they're good and then when you shop they allocate they donate from their money it doesn't cost you a penny uh it's like 0.05% of your purchase price so if a lot of you are doing a lot of shopping on Amazon, go to smile.amazon.com and or go to our website, parentsusa.org, and click on the Amazon link at, in the bottom footer, and it'll take you to that page. and It'll have our um, federal uh, tax ID number in it, but then it doesn't cost you, but we actually end up getting some money. And if thousands of you were to do that, that would help because it might bring in another 50 cents or a dollar or two for each of you. Uh, mm-hmm. The other is to like each of our social media, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, our new YouTube channel has very few subscribers. And those of you who are on YouTube ever know you don't pay to subscribe. It's the same as follow or like. And we need to get we, we have 6,000 nearly on Facebook, but about 30 on YouTube. But we have to get to 100 just to get a, a private URL or a personal URL we would like to get one that's backslash parentusa of course mm-hmm. well it's a number so go there uh, but the real support comes from financial support so whether it's five dollars a month or five dollars once a year or or a larger sum uh, donations can be made on guidestar.org which shows us as having been vetted by guidestar uh, or certainly our website if you go to our website parentusa.org There's a link for donate, and there's a link to become a member. So far, our membership doesn't get you much uh, in ways of benefits. You get a discount on budget rental cars, but probably everybody has a discount uh, of some type or another. We hope one day as we get bigger to be so influential that I can call the governor's office in every state and say, hey, we want to come in and talk to you about your laws. That's what the collective power of parents could be. Meanwhile, we have thousands of organizations that I think diffuse the power And if you think about it, those who are against the principles that we are discussing seem to collect their power in one organization. And I think about anything's in the world of physical science or in the world of politics is the larger, and more powerful, funded and number of people involved, the stronger voice you have. The AARP has 30 million members and uh, over a billion dollars a year in revenue. And don't you know... Politicians listen to everything the AARP said. Yeah,
0: right. Well, that's awesome. That's a lot of interesting ways to support y'all. I had no idea about the smile.amazon.com. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Well, David, uh, it's been great. It's been really enlightening. I think what y'all are doing is incredibly valuable and important. And I really appreciate y'all, um, y'all's existence and y'all's willingness to help. Um, is there anything else you'd like to, to tell everybody before, before we end the podcast? Uh,
1: I think you did a wonderful job, Jake, and not just flattering you, but saying you, you have and covering a number of different topics that we've addressed. Uh, feel free to join uh, me in with others that you bring on as, as we can provide that again, legal perspective, constitutional law perspective, uh, applicable across the board, whether it's school issues, uh, education issues, funding issues. Mm -hmm. of our personal liberties. uh, They they all apply. Uh, And it's a little, it's a frightening world we're in as Mm -hmm. the battles seem to be uh, more pervasive. Um, Just everybody, I believe, is aware. Uh, We're all a little bit, understandably so, scared that every day we go out there, we're subject to some seemingly uh, random stop, something we didn't do right. We didn't mm. smile the right way. We were within a certain distance. Um, I, I'm I'm pro-law enforcement, not necessarily how it's done, uh, but I am in favor of the rule of law. But we, again, re, as a society, we need to revisit a lot of the laws on the books mm. and um, ensure that those who are tasked with enforcing it uh are required to know what the laws are too they they should know more than we do but they don't
0: absolutely absolutely well thank you so much for joining us today um i really appreciate you taking the time i know you have a busy schedule and it took a while for us to get this set up but i'm i'm very appreciative that that we made it work
1: well let's make it a regular thing
0: hey i'm down maybe we can get uh you me and martin cowan on one of these and talk
1: talk gladly i I would think we we'd offer different perspectives along the same lines Mm -hmm. um but add to one another's um information and and uh analysis yeah that'd be great awesome
0: well david thank you so much um all you out there uh for thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next week